Uh, Tim, come and join me. Come and join me. Uh, it's been a delight to get to know Tim. He was one of the first people who welcomed me uh, here to, to Poole. And we we kind of got on, didn't we? And uh, so uh, we've, we've met up uh, a few more times. And you're dropping everything. Hang on. I'll get, I'll get, oh, you're all right. Okay. Um, and uh, so it's, it's great to have you here. I, I've uh, spoken recently at your um, uh, day away, the Vine day away, which was great. Really enjoyed that. Um, so why don't I pray for you just as you get started? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you uh, so much uh, for uh, the, the churches that you have made through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that you love them because they're yours and they display your wisdom to watching world. And Father, we find it hard to believe because we feel weak and helpless and needy. But Lord, we are. Our boast is not in us. It's in you, our great Lord. And so I want to pray that your spirit would come now and help Tim as he speaks to us. Thank you. You promised to speak to us through your word. And Lord, we hold you to that. And we're, we're longing to see more of you. And we're longing, Father, to, to learn how to pray. Thank you for this gift. And uh, Lord, please meet with us now, we'd ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Ah. It's, a, it's a huge blessing to get to know Andy and Carol over the last few months. And it's been great to get to know a few more of you as well. And, uh, you know, this morning, if you would like to say amen, say amen. If you would like to say something else, maybe keep that to yourself, <laughs> but feel free to, to, to join me as we study the Word of God. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. This is a series that Paul Christian Fellowship are going through the Lord's Prayer, as they would know, and we are going to carry it on today. As you're trying to find Matthew chapter 6, I, wanna, I want you to think about the second century, the people of the second century. Actually, not just to think about it, think about as you yourself is a second century believer. So about 101 AD, a few generations after Jesus, and you are getting wave after wave of persecution. You've been learning your Bible. You've been meeting with other believers, living a holy life. And although there's persecution, you are filled with great joy because you've met with Jesus. And then everything changes for you. You get captured for being a believer. You're thrown into the lions uh, in the gladiatorial games. Or imagine that you're taken to the market square. Or imagine today you're taken down the high street. Everyone is shouting abuse at you. You believers, you Christians, what are you? You get taken to Paul Key. This is what happened. To the many believers as you're taken to the market square 
the believers in those days, a few generations after Jesus, do you know what they did? They bowed their knee and they said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. These were the last words out of so many believers. See, at the time, the onlookers were thinking, how stupid, how ridiculous, repeating these 53 words. But they did not know, 200 years later, roughly about 313 AD, this would happen in Rome. God's kingdom came to Rome. The emperor bowed his knee, and Rome was changed forever. Those believers on their knees before they died pray in this prayer. They didn't know that this little prayer had power to put a cog into en to the enemy's plan. This little prayer, followed by a godly life, took the Roman Empire out. I think of Bonhoeffer. If you don't know Bonhoeffer, he's a Christian pastor and spy. He was trying to fight the Nazis. He had his little church and his little uh, pastor's training center. It didn't seem much, but actually this, this was probably seemed quite pathetic, uh, pathetic compared to the weight of Hitler. But this man, it was reported, when he got captured, what was he doing in his cell? He was praying, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Today, there is many Christians around the world, in China, in Iran, many pastors. And they're in the underground church. They're in prison. And I believe they're praying this same prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. This tiny little prayer has shaped history. 53 words have shaped history. This is the prayer Jesus gives to his followers. And this prayer is vitally important because as we dig deeper, as we look at the language and the structure and the rhythm, we see the heart of Jesus for his people and for the nations. You are joining different nations, different nationalities, tribes, experiences for centuries, praying the same prayer, and we, today in Paul, should never underestimate the power of the prayer Jesus has given us. Amen? Hopefully you're there by now. Let's read it. Matthew chapter 6, I will read it and you guys can follow it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. This is a turning point in the prayer. It's like a hinge on the door. It's opening the prayer into a different direction than it began. You would have remembered a few weeks back, this is for Paul Christian Fellowship, you would have remembered a few weeks back, 
that you started with our Father in heaven. It's like a praise. Our Father in heaven, he is God. And then you move to the priorities. His kingdom on earth is our priority. Your prayers usher heaven into earth. His mighty, powerful, unshakable kingdom, which is vastly different to the kingdom of the world we're experiencing now. Andy, last week, which I managed to watch back, we pray because it's a time of war. We pray because it's powerful. We pray because you trust your father. We pray God's kingdom on this earth. But now its direction of the prayer changes. The the, the focus changes. And it says, give us today our daily bread. We've moved to provision. Jesus has shifted the prayer to be personal. The structure and the flow is important because it, the, how you view God affects your prayers. Did you know that? How you view God affects your prayers. If we view God as a father who takes care of his children and cares for them, if we view God that he wants his kingdom in our lives and in our town, it affects us and what we pray and how we pray. When we come to pray, Give us today our daily bread. I wonder how many of us have prayed this prayer. Give us today our daily bread this morning. You don't have to put your hands up. But I I, I expect maybe only a few. I get away with it because I prepared this sermon. And I did pray that prayer today. But it probably wasn't many of us. Okay, here's a bit of, I would like to hear from you on this one. How many of us eat bread or toast throughout the day? How many of us eat bread or toast sometime throughout the day? Okay, it's quite a few. So it's probably like nearly 80-90% of people here. What do you put on your bread and toast? It's probably pointless church Christian research, but what do you put on your toast? Butter, anything else? Cheese? Marmite? Peanut butter? Yes, that's a good one. Jam, chocolate spread, oh, yummy. So we're, we're quite, you know, normal English people in many ways. You don't have anything out there. But bread was a staple, it was part of a staple diet for the Jews. And it had been for many years. It was a daily substance for them. In the ancient world, bread represented all food. So if you said to Becky, who's my wife, and I, do you want to come over for dinner? Or if you said to us, do you want to come over for supper, if you're a bit posher, you know, maybe some of you people are a bit posher, you would, I would say come for dinner. I'm not one of those posh people. But you might be saying that. But in ancient Israel, they would say to you, Becky, Tim, do you want to come over for Bread? That's what they'll say to you. Do you want to come over to my house for bread? Oh, for bread, to break some bread together. It represents, I will feed you. 
I will provide for your daily provision. I will not see you go without because I care for your human existence. I care for your daily needs. By the way, in ancient Israel, hospitality is probably quite a lot different to ours, which probably many of you know about, is that they didn't just have one or two hours over a quick meal or some fast food restaurant. I believe they didn't have McDonald's. They would invite you over, prepare the meal throughout the day, and then spend hours with you to enjoy good food and a good relationship. I'm invited to that place. Who's going to invite me? No one. But that is what they did. Because I will provide for your substance for that day. I will give you everything you need. Jesus teaches us to pray, give us today our daily bread. He says, pray to God that he will provide all your substance for the day ahead. Jesus, give me everything I need for the day ahead. Spiritual bread is more important than physical bread. But God still sees it as important because he cares for you. He thinks and cares for your physical and material needs. And because he created you uniquely, he cares for you uniquely. Give us today our daily bread. 1 Peter 5 verse 6 to 7 says this, Cast in all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Or other translations, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. I think somebody in this room needs to hear that he cares for you today. He cares for you. He sees what you're going through. He sees your heart and the things and the pressures. And he cares for you. Do you know God loves you? Like, like really loves you. It's so easy. As many of us are probably followers of Jesus here, maybe for a long time. Think, yeah, God loves me. But God really, really loves you. And we live in a world that is starving for yearning love. A love that remembers and not forsakes. A love that is, isn't tired of our loveliness. A love that gets down underneath our messiness. A love that is bigger than the envelope in darkness that many people maybe are walking through right now. A love which is even better than the best human romantic love there is on this earth. Jeremiah 31 verse 20 says, My heart yearns for you. My heart yearns for you. If those words were to get dressed up in a flesh, what might they look like? Well, we need not to wonder. It is like a Middle Eastern carpenter restoring men and women's dignity and their humanity and their health and their conscience through healing, through teaching, through hugging, through forgiving. This is the love of God displayed in Jesus Christ. My heart yearns for you, church. My heart yearns for you, John, Patrick. 
the date was Easter 2009. And we went on a family holiday together. This was before uh, I knew Becky and got married, but it was, went on a big family holiday together to the Lake District. Is there any Lake District fans in here? I saw some of a Lake District t-shirt earlier. Yes. And me and my brother, we decided to go onto Lake Windermere and hire a kayak, which uh, I really enjoyed kayaking and still uh, I've got back into it very recently. And we go out on the kayak. And one thing about Lake District is that Lake Windermere is the, the biggest lake in England. And also, lakes are freezing cold. They are freezing. They're more colder than sea and than rivers. They just don't heat up very well. So we are going out, me and my brother, on a double kayak. And we're going and we're having fun together. And we're going trying to get to the other side. And it always looks closer than it actually is. You know what I mean? If you go out on the water, the other side always looks closer. And we're going, we're going, we're going. And then suddenly, and I'm not even sure how to this day, how it happened. But suddenly, the kayak flips over with us going into the water. And we're, we are freezing. We are shivering, holding on to the back end of the kayak, like the, the, well, the bottom end, I suppose, tipped over. And we are freezing. We are shaking. And we're like, <sighs> you know when you jump into water and you're like your pants? You know, not some hot water, but you know, some freezing cold water. And we are holding on. And then we look around and we find our oars have gone. We can't see them. I never get that, how you can lose something so big and you just can't see them everywhere, anywhere. It's only like a minute's probably gone past, but you just can't see them at all. So we're there, and then we, we manage to flip the kayak back onto its front, and then we take it in turns getting back on the kayak, but it doesn't work for us. Because every time one of us gets on, gets on, and the other one tries to get on, it flips the other one off. And we're stuck. We manage to both get on the kayak. And then my brother looks at his uh, digital camera. We all know those old digital cameras. Without, we don't always have smartphones on us. And he looks at his phone, and they're both broken from the water. They're not working. So we're stuck there. And we're absolutely freezing. And we don't know what's going to happen. The boats go past. Hours go past. And you would have thought, we've only hired this kayak for one hour. Someone will come out to rescue us who we've hired it from. But no, that did not happen. Hours and hours pass. In that moment, I thought I was a goner. As you can tell, I was not a goner because I'm still here. But we prayed to God. We, said, we both said to God, Father, forgive us for our sins because we thought this was the end for us, that we were going to go to heaven. And we, we were praying in many ways this Lord's Prayer, which comes on to in future weeks. You know, Father, forgive us, forgive us. Thankfully, one of the little, uh, little cruise boats going past a while back did actually sign um, signal for help. And RNLI, thankful to the RNLI, came to our rescue, and I lived to tell the story. God, I needed you right then. Forgive me. See, how many of us are good at praying in the trials of life? In the valleys, we're so quick to run to him. In those moments, God, help me with this. God, I need you. But this prayer, give us today our daily bread, directs us to be dependent on God every single day. Not just when I'm in Lake Windermere and have fallen off the kayak. 
Not when I just get some bad news. Not just when at these moments, but every single day, God, I need you. God, I want you to be part of my every life, every moment. He wants that because he loves you. It's dependence on God, not independence. Dependence on God. Bread was a powerful symbol of God's provision for his people in the Old Testament. That he would provide for their daily needs. Do you remember how God cared for the Israelites? They went into the wilderness from Egypt. And then life was hard in the wilderness. And the people began to complain. Oh yeah, we were stuck in slavery. We were working really long hours. And we were building these massive pyramids. But the food was better. The food was fantastic. Delicious meals. And they go in the wilderness... They're not under slavery, but they start to complain. The food, where are we going to get our food from? And what food we had is rubbish. And then God, Exodus chapter 16, God promises to rain bread from heaven. So, so be it. They pray the next morning. They wake up. The dew lifts. And there is like these small wafers, which the Bible says taste like honey. Honey on toast if you like that. See, when God heard his people pray, and not just they complained, he responded, and he gave them what they needed for their daily substance. He gave them enough because he didn't want them to become self-reliant and independent, but he wanted them to be reliant and dependent on him. He didn't want them to take a doggy bag because if they did that, the Bible said it would stink. This is what Moses, um, Exodus 16 verse 19 says. Moses told them, don't save that food to eat the next day. But some of the people did not obey Moses. They saved their food for the next day, but the worms got into the food and it began to stink. Does your life stink? Yeah, I depend on God, you know, for that thing a couple of day, weeks ago. That was a couple of weeks ago. See, independence stinks in God's nostrils. Just going to put it out there. It stinks in God's nostrils, independence. And this is a real challenge for us. This is a real challenge for us. To be less independent and more dependent on God. It's a real challenge. Since the Second World War, we see this progressive secular autopilot. That we can move through our lives without the thought and need for God. It's what they call the modern world. The modern world can provide for my needs. I earn my money, I go to the shops to buy my food, I pretty, can, pretty much can access any good medical care, I can sort my own problems up, I've got Google, Pastor Google, here we come, tell me about the world, tell me about my faith, just, just tell me, tell me, tell me, and then there's like this new chat stuff, what is that going on about, but it's going to tell me more about who I am, and 
None of this is wrong in itself, but when it becomes that you can rely on those things instead of God, you become independent instead of dependent on God. You know what I mean? We live in a time where we celebrate individualism and self-dependency. But at all the same time, it's the most lonely and anxious generation ever. It's estimated 9 million people in our country admit to being lonely. And it's not just the old. It's my generation. It's your generation. Many people here. That is where we're starting to see the growth. They are the loneliest and anxious generation. The modern world promises progression and perfection without God. But it's not working, is it? It's not working. We were made, we were not made to be independent. You were not made to be independent. It is not in us. It is not in you to hold on to things. It is not in you to say that I'm keeping things to what I want to do. And it's not in you to depend on what you can do. But it is in you to depend on God. To look to him with your eyes, with your heart, with your mind and with your soul. Every morning, give us today our daily bread. It has to be in the morning. If you pray this at night, you're going to sleep. Oh God, I need your strength to walk through today. God, I'm struggling with my work today. I need you in that meeting or speaking to that person. Oh God, I need you because actually I'm struggling to pay my bills or the food. I could do this on my own because I live in a modern world, but I'm choosing to be dependent upon God. However, our earthly flesh will fight against this. It will try and pick up more bread. I'm going to take that doggy bag and I'm going to fill it with more bread. Just in case God doesn't come up. God forgets. As we were singing this morning, the kids' song, God doesn't forget us. He has the best plans for us. I'm going to stockpile so that I can miss tomorrow or miss next week or miss church on Sunday. I'm stockpiling, then I don't have to come to God again. And God was blunt. What did he say? He said to the people, the worms will get in and it will stink. No one wants stinky, moldy bread, and no one wants stinky, moldy life. It stinks. What is God saying that stinks? Self-reliance, dependence on yourself. But he wants to give you fresh bread. God, give us today our daily bread. See, they weren't content to what God had given them. And I don't want to give the Israelites a hard time here, but I'm going to. God had took them through many plagues. God had protected them through the Red Sea. God had faithfully provided for them time and time again. And still they complain. Still they were very independent. And maybe I'm like that too, maybe. Maybe. 
Maybe I spend too much time thinking about things that I need instead of enjoying what God has given me today. This is it. God wants us to depend on him for all our daily substance. All things. And if you had a top tip of the week, the goal is to practice dependency, not independency. As you say, give us today our daily bread. You say, I depend on you today, God, for all my substance. For everything. It's including God in every moment of your life. Every single day. I'm going to land by sharing a short uh, story. My wife, Becky, who is amazing, by the way, before I share this story. She loves to change things around the house. And it drives me up the wall. Literally drives me up the wall. I will come home one day, go to cook dinner, because I'm a great house husband. Only sometimes. And I would go in the cupboard, and the rice is gone. Where's the rice, Becky? I moved it to another cupboard. Where's the big pan? Moved it to another cupboard. Uh, even on Monday, I'm doing work. Becky contacts me. I'm thinking about changing the boys' bedrooms around. You know, just thinking about changing stuff around. You know, I'm like, come on, Becky, just, 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 just relax. Be content. Just enjoy this time in this, you know, just relax. Some of you may be thinking that maybe my husband or wife or mother or brother are just like that. Sometimes we like to change things around. Or I think about that we actually quite like watching location, location, location. Anyone like that here? Yeah, some fans out there. Grand designs, anything about change outs. We love to look at people's homes and think about things that we would do differently. We absolutely love that. But it's so easy to look at other people's homes and think what they could do. I want to bring this back in. It's so easy to look at other people's lives and think they need to depend on God a bit more. I heard that they were struggling at work. Why don't they pray about it? It's so easy to look at other people's homes and think I would change the wallpaper. What about my own home? What about your heart? Where do you need to depend on God more for all your substance? Yeah, you can live in this modern world and be okay. But God is calling you to depend on him. You know, as we're going to respond, led by the worship team, I just want to encourage you to look into your own heart and say, God, do I really depend on you? Or do I live this individualistic life? And maybe it's for you that this time, you, as we sing, you say, God, I want to depend on you more. I want to practice dependency that you will provide for all my needs today. Jesus, I thank you for this prayer. Thank you that you give it to us as your followers. I thank you that 
You call us to pray, give us today our daily bread. Help us to be less independent and more dependent on you. I pray that you would highlight those areas in our lives where, where we are being independent, where we're relying on ourselves. Help us to trust you as our loving Father, that you will provide for all our needs for the day. And God, I pray that you will be in our everything. Amen.